Hello, listener, and welcome to the first ever concourse podcast and the first in our World Cup mini-series, our top 10 favourite World Cup shirts. I'm joined by a good friend of mine and esteemed colleague, Mr Patrick O'Brien. Paddy, how are you today? Not too bad, Dan, and thank you for welcoming me to the Concourse podcast. Now, I have to confess to the listener, this is our, not, this is our second attempt at recording this because due to the steep learning curve of technology and podcasts, the edition that we did yesterday uh, unfortunately didn't save and we couldn't get it live on iTunes. So whilst it's the second edition... Nobody needs to be concerned that we uh, had a sub that wouldn't get on the pitch and has been sent back to Croatia, as has Nikola Kalinic for um, for Croatia. Um, we're just trying to get this second stint up and running for you. Paddy, very quickly, who's going to win the World Cup? Oh, for goodness sake, then. Talk about throwing it to me. Because um, nearly everyone's had a kick now. Uh, I will still say Brazil. OK. We talked a lot yesterday about teams that start slow in tournaments and do well. Yeah. Does that mean Germany get a, a mention in the conversation? Yeah, definitely. I don't think you'll see the back. I, I, just because, why are you saying it? Because it's Germany, I still think that they'll still be fairly prominent in the latter stages of the tournament. Mm, definitely. And did you watch England this morning? I did. Um, I think it was quite an interesting game to watch. It was a little bit like a Premier League game in terms of that. You probably had England, which is one of those challenging for Europe against... You know Tunisia, who are probably more a team that would be down at the sort of bottom end of the division, away from home, just trying to get you know the point that they'd be looking for. But what I liked about it, Dan, I thought England played relatively well. But it's more the um, reaction towards it because I think if this had been in World Cups gone by, a lot more people would have probably said they won. But mm. this seems to be a lot more of a they've won, they've got three points. Let's move on to the next game. Yeah, I'm certainly happy with the result, even though it did come late. The the penalty is arguably quite soft, but Harry Kane had a couple of shouts for penalties as well. Um, we've been talking a little bit in the office about VAR, uh, the video assistant referee. Um, do you think that the uh, the VAR was gonna gonna overturn those for for Kane and and he was gonna win a penalty or two? Um, look, maybe I've been <coughs> excuse me when we were talking yesterday. I'm a big advocate of VAR. I think it's worked really well so far much better than a lot of people would have anticipated. But, yeah, you, it then comes down to when are you actually going to use it. And there were shouts for it today. But you have to accept that, you know, there will be occasions when it's simply not going to be called. And yeah, it's a hard one to, to call up, Dan. But I think they are good. It was a 50-50, I think, for me on both occasions. It wasn't weighed in favour of one or, one or the other. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Career. So, all right, let's get this podcast off the ground uh, and uh, see if we can get it to take off. Lovely. Hopefully, no flames on the wings like the Saudi Arabia plane. Um, all right, we're going to get started with part one in a moment, and that's getting into our top 10 favourite football shirts. But stay with us because we will review the action to date in the tournament so far. All right, let's get underway then with our top 10 shirts. So just to give you, the listener, a little bit of insight as to how we judge these, Paddy and I shortlisted our favourite shirts from the World Cups over the ages um, and came up with our own shortlist, which we compiled together. So there will be a little bit of contention between us. Um, my number one shirt didn't make it there. Um, Patrick's number one shirt didn't make the top spot either. But as a joint effort, I think we're pretty happy with this list. I think we are, actually. I think there's a few that, um, yeah, we've got big differences on. But I think that as it sort of like blends in, I think there's a few there that we both really, really like. And that was quite clear. 
Okay. Well, let's go back to the advent of what I think is hashtag modern football, um, which was my very, very first World Cup that I can really remember getting immersed and involved in. So, listener, just park yourself by the Seine, uh, a glass of Bordeaux and a little bit of Brie. The first shirt on our list, number 10, is Mexico 98. What a dream. Well, what a dream. But if we're talking about, you know, a shirt from a time... Um, maybe it had the same this uh, leads me to having convulsions similar to like Ronaldo probably did in the lead up to the final um, <laughs> it's not look, I can understand why it, it's going to polarise opinion the fact that it's got so many artefacts relating towards Mexico within its actual design um, I, yeah, I, I'm still surprised it even made the top 10 it's an, it's an all right shirt, but it's not one that like truly, truly stood out for me at that particular time. We had, did actually have a bit of banter about this yesterday because we thought it was originally from the 94, and I think the 90 shirt, 94 shirt was similar, but yep. I agree with Dan. It's you know along the lines of that, you know, the more adventurous type of shirt that you see rather than the sort of, you know, set templates that you may well have done in the preceding tournaments. Yeah, true. I, I think the reason why I like this shirt is it does a really good job of embodying the culture of Mexico on the on the shirt, which is interesting, really, because by this point we have the internet, and if we want to know what goes on in Mexico, we can use this website called Google to find out. But the Mexican kit designers decided to take no chances and emblazon um, an Aztec uh, moniker on the front of it I haven't seen the away kit, but thinking no. of bringing cultural artefacts into it, I don't know if there is tacos or burritos or, or whatever emblazoned <laughs> on it, who knows. Um, but for me, you've got to admire the boldness of the design against mm. some of the more classic retro kits and some of the more modern kits which feature in there. So, just sneaks in at number 10. Maybe the away kit might have had a bottle of Corona with a bit of lime stuck on the top of it, you never know. I like that, that's there you good. Go. Speaking of drinks associated with uh, teams playing at the World Cup, our ninth slot, a kit I'd never seen before, Republic of Ireland's away shirt for USA 94. This was one of your highlights, Paddy. Talk us through this one. Look, I mean, again, it's a tournament that I actually had the um, privilege of going to. Um, what do I... It, again, I think it's a little bit sort of out of the ordinary in terms of it being green and white stripes, but the stripes don't quite make it all the way down the shirt. Mm. Um I think it's a shirt of its time to the extent that, you know, historically, if you think, you know, the Adidas Tricolor, the Umbro Diamond, all it actually had on there was Adidas, yep. the word. Plus, it didn't have the three stripes going down the arms. Mm. Um, I think it's one of those where, again, it's a shirt that I associate with Ireland playing in that tournament. They only wore green when they beat Italy in the first game, every other time they were in the away shirt. Oh, okay. um, John Aldridge probably going ballistic before they actually played Mexico in their second game as well. Um, yeah, again, I think it's just it's one of those that it's you know it stands out to me. It's probably more of a personal memory rather than it being a shirt. But I think sometimes that's what happens. You know, if you look back, you, if we look at it today, a shirt changes near enough every season. I think if you go back from a historical context, there would be a shirt that you associate with a club for a particular era that they wore, and it's like, yeah, that's when they were like doing well, doing badly. And I think with this, you know, like you know, Ireland have barely qualified for a World Cup ever since. I think it's the last time around was you know Japan career in two thousand and two. So yep. again, when you see it, and it just you know, it sort of invokes all those memories for me. So 
Hence why we've seen it at number nine. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Look, I, I have to confess I'd never seen this kit before, um, but I, I don't mind it being on the list whatsoever. Um, I, I kind of have this feeling, speaking of the design of the kit, as we touched on with that Mexico 98 shirt, I think it was designed on the very first edition of Microsoft Word, and that's how they've achieved that that gradient of the stripe, okay. which fades down the bottom. That's my guess anyway. I'm not too sure what kit designing technology was back in the days. But it, it, looking at the picture of it, it almost looks like it, Ireland's answer to a Serie A shirt. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, probably, yeah, of that particular time, yeah, I can see that as well. No, you said it. All right, so Mexico 98 in at 10, Republic of Ireland in at 9. Uh, sticking with USA 94, 94, a quick word for the hosts. Alexi Lalas here, sporting the denim away shirt. It looks good with jeans. Um, look, it's an interesting shirt. Again, I think it's one that does polarise opinion. It, I think it's, you know, the sort of classic, it's out there. You know, people, it's Marmite. People love it, love it or hate it. Mm. In saying that, I'm probably a bit ambivalent to it. I think at the time, I'd have probably said, you know, what's this shit? But I think now that I can look at it again. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, in some ways it does, it, you know, it stands the test of time. Because I think a lot of the shirts that, you know, maybe we will move on to, you can think, yeah, they are maybe shirts that, you know, belong to that particular area. Had they qualified, could you have seen USA wearing this shirt again? Well... There seems to be a like of um, going a little bit retro and retro back to the mid eighties. They probably have that as their tribute shirt. Mm. Had they qualified, so mm. you know, in that way, you've got to, you know be there and you know take your hat off to them. But maybe that is that the hat that says about let's make America great again. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think if this was a podcast looking at the top ten World Cup football shirts that you would like to wear if you had a five a side team, this one would feature pretty high up yeah, the list. True. But it's probably worth its spot at eighth. We can look forward to USA, Mexico, Canada 2026. Yeah. And you never know, maybe the USA MNT will sport that as an away shirt in, uh, in eight years' time. Remains yeah, to be seen. Yeah. All right, let's move it on then and bring it a little more closer to home for you and I. Again, another shirt that I hadn't come across, but I have to say I do like it. This one would look good with jeans. This one will look good with a pair of chinos and getting yeah. down the pub to watch the football. It's one of your suggestions again, Paddy. Scotland 82. It is, and Dan, I think the picture that you're putting up on Instagram is with Graeme Souness wearing it. Let's just say, I don't think I would want to argue with him about anything in relation towards this shirt, in all honesty. Um, what do I like about it? It's probably it's a bit of a sort of like umbro template from the time. You talked about 98 being the first one. You remember 82, I was nine. I was probably just really beginning to get into football. So I do have, it's the first one that I have any real true memories of. And, yeah, again, just, you know, from a design perspective, you can see that shirt and, you know, we, we were doing the podcast yesterday. We mentioned about, you know, City. I think Saab being sponsored by, they probably had a shirt mm. like that. I think Everton had a variation of it. And the thing is, that's a sign of a classic kit design. If it's one of those that can then translate onto other teams and work well, that's the beauty of it. And it's simple. Again, that's why I like it. Simple's best you're going yeah, for. Very true. All right. Um, we're going to jump forward a little bit in time here uh, to the tournament where, and we've already visited it a little bit, tournament where Scotland played in the opening game against Brazil and we're going back to France, France 98, mm -hmm. and we're going to have a look at the host's shirt. 
which I thought was going to feature a little bit higher in this list. And then when I went back over some of the other entrants, and we'll move on to our top five in a moment, um, I can see it was up against some stiff competition. But, yeah, I really like this shirt, and you commented on as well, just working in the colours of the flag yeah. into the collar is just a nice little nod of the yeah, hat. Yeah, it is. I think that was um, one of the things that really stood out to me for it, Dan. And, uh, look, again, it's just... it's a. For me, it's a real classic shirt. And what I like about it, and again, something that we touched upon when we were talking about this first time around, is that it's almost, that's the home shirt. The away, which was white, the actual um, red line became blue. And it's just, it's it's small things like that that might really stand out from it. And where, as much as I like Scotland's kit for being a template that you saw elsewhere, that really was just a French shirt. You didn't see it anywhere else. Mm. It was along the lines of that, it was designed for them for that World Cup. And again, you know, the fact that they went on to win it, you know, sort of the emergence of Zidane really more as a sort of like world-class player mm. rather than being someone that, you know, you saw in Sierra, had a disappointing European Championships in 96. So again, it's just, you know, it invokes all those memories, you know, probably seeing Emmanuel Petit after we scored the third goal in the final, you know, being there in tears. Just small factors like that. And again, you know, if a shirt can reinforce those memories, it has to be a good design. Yeah, I think for me, thinking back to that you that Mexico shirt in 1994, it was almost as though the Mexicans said, you know what, let's try and mix it up a bit mm. and let's try and do something a little bit different. And what they decided to do was emblazon an Aztec face on their shirt whilst everybody else was sort of still stuck in this age of, uh, of, of the retro uh, and more plain kit design. France 98... Is, is a true sports shirt. It's a true high-level, athletic, competitive mm. kit. Yeah. You know, you're moving away from a shirt. Now, you wouldn't wear that on the pub with jeans. No. You know what no. I mean? All right, so straight in at number five. Definitely another favourite for me. Um, and you mentioned when we were putting this list together, even at this year's tournament, there's a little bit of a nod of the cap to this yeah. kit design. And it's West Germany 90. Yeah. Um... That's penalty experts. <laughs> It's a, for me, it is a quality shirt. And I think it's one that, you know, again, when we go through the other remaining four, it's um, probably one that I think we largely agree with, and probably the first one that we have. Um, that I really, really do truly like it. You know, the working of a national flag into a kit, which is probably something that you never really saw before. Mm. And, you know, the manner in how it's done and everything else, it just, yeah, and... Like with France in '98, we're seeing it as you know it was the shirt that was worn by the actual winners of the tournament. So you know, just you know, all those factors, and I think you know we mentioned I mentioned the first time around some of the players, you know, that they had Bremer at left back, you know, Matthias, who at that time was probably one of the best midfielders in the world, and the German scouser Rudi Voller mm-hmm. up front. Yeah, as I say, I think it's just it's a you know it's a great design, and probably proof of it is that you know. Here we are, 2018, and we're seeing really, you know, a homage being put forward towards it again. Um, again, when we were talking about this before, they did another variation of that shirt for the European Championships in '92, which personally I do prefer. But they would never have had that shirt if it hadn't been for this one. So, mm. it's World Cup based. So, a big nods towards that one, really. Yeah, absolutely. Just remind there with Rudy Voller. Who were the two guys that sang? It was the World Cup song in 2002. It was the unofficial one. 
There was this Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson. I think it was it was that one. Rudy Voller gets a mention because they talk a lot about the five one in Munich when we qualified. Was he their manager at the time? He was. I know he ended. Rudy Voller ended up being the German national manager. Yeah, maybe. I've got a feeling he might have been. You know, when they lost to Brazil in two thousand and two. And he was the manager I then. I think he was the manager then. To be honest with you, maybe the listeners can reconfirm that. Too. Yeah, well, listener, we are yet to get a researcher, fact checker, or producer for this podcast, but you can join us in a week's time or so when we're going to have a chat about World Cup music. And uh, I think it was Bell and Spalding. Is that right? That sang Sven 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 or Ericsson. I... Well, we'll fact check it, yeah. and you can come back next week and see if it makes the top ten. So West Germany makes it into our top five. Um, again, trying working in the, the national colours of the flag there, very cleverly. Let's move on to top four. We're heading over to Scandinavia now, and this was really, really, really close because, for me, this one might have been a little bit of a notch up um, if it wasn't for how strongly you felt about the shirt in third place. But first, our fourth place entrant, Denmark, 86. Good grief, Ben. I mean, we've probably touched upon Mexico and USA having what would have been deemed unconventional kits but I think Denmark you know shirt made by Hummel still their manufacturers even to this very day um, somewhat it was like a kit manufacturer that I think a lot of people hadn't seen before mm. with a design which is you know totally you could even dare I say even avant-garde you know and I think you made the mention of it when you talked about it, it was like half sort of your streaky bacon frying in the pan and the other half just being sort of like the conventional, I think we've got the away kits so of the white or the red. Yep. Um, look, again, it's weird how a shirt can remind you of a certain team. And Denmark came in with a blaze of glory. You know, like Michael Landrup, I think, scored a hat-trick against Uruguay in their first game, which they won 6-1. Although I still even remember, I think, you know, being told what a great goal. And it's like, oh, yeah, one of them's an own goal. Mm. Me, even as a 13-year-old, I was still pedantic. And here I am still doing the same things today. Um, look, again, interestingly, I think it was then a design that sort of made its way into um, sort of like club football. I know Villa, they had a shirt that was made by Hummel, which was probably a variation of that, but one that was almost an exact replica of Southampton. I do recollect them having a kit, especially the home shirt, where it was pretty much like that, draped with tools written across the front. And probably like very, very young Letizia and an even younger Shearer yep. wearing it at that time. So again, you know, it's just, it's one of those, and you know, we say about, or mentioned earlier about Denmark being a blaze of glory. They went out with a whimper because I think, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, this is a dark horse, maybe like the Dutch from the 70s. But they ended up losing 5-1 to um, Spain in the first knockout round, which I don't think anybody would have predicted. So it was like, you know, they came, they went. And, you know, I think... Again, because of our research for this, you know, we've seen where they've shown the kits that have been worn by the nations in this tournament in previous ones. This seems to be the first time that Denmark have qualified for it since we think it was 2002. Yep. So, you know, again... Which like, was interesting because we spoke about them being here in 86 and then obviously coming back and then winning Euro 92 with the yeah. team that they had and then this hiatus yeah. back in 2002 and then this hiatus again. Mm. Oh, it's the inconsistency yeah, there, but I guess this is the challenge of these nations that don't have mega populations, yeah. like France, Germany, UK, um, even the USA, who I think you mentioned when we were chatting about USA yesterday, didn't have a league in That's place right. yeah, for Euro '94. Yeah. So the talent pool's so small; it's 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 easy to see mm. how they are so inconsistent with the World Cups. But despite that, I mean, they've won a major tournament more recently than England have. I oh, have yeah, exactly, yeah. Can't complain of that, and with John Jensen. 
The Scouse statement. I'm making a lot of references to Scouses. I hope I'm not offending anyone from Liverpool that may be listening. <laughs> John Jensen, who was basically the sort of Scouse Danish who you know, scored an absolute belter from about 25 yards out, ended up getting a big money move to Arsenal. I think he only scored once, to the extent that I think there were even T-shirts. I saw Jensen score, which you know, gives you some idea of how rare it was. All right, if anyone's got an I saw Jensen score t-shirt, please send us a picture of it on Instagram. Before we move into our top three, because the top three kits we've got are all pretty much from this this era, and I think there's a consistent theme with the top ten, um, that the kit is slightly more modern, it, it abridges the old traditional design with, with new modern retro kits. Um, I can see our entrance here, I think, are from 94, 94 and 86. Mm-hmm. Um what for you, and maybe I'll share mine with you first, Paddy. What for you are the classic, the classic sh- strip designs, the templates, if you like, per country. So, so for me, for example, if I was to go with the top three, I would probably go with the Argentina strip, mm-hmm. just as a standard setup. Yeah. Um, I would go with I like the Paraguay kit, but it's not made it in. Mm-hmm. Very simple design. I love seeing Atletico Madrid playing that kit as well. In no particular order of these. And my third, just for its uniqueness, uh, I love that Peru kit with the sash. Yeah. The thing is, I was there, and in my mind, I was there. I was like thinking, if it's going to be free, I was hoping that we could have done a different free, but I totally agree with you. What else might you have gone for? What have been the mix? Um, look, we had Because we know Dutch entrance in here as well no, with the classic no, no, orange. That's true. Um, look, for me. I think another entrant I'd have in it, um, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine, and we were talking about this off air, is Croatia. I love the fact that Great they've got shot. the um, red and white Czech design, but for some reason, you know, in in today's times, you have to have a blank, it's got to be a black, just a single colour on the back of the shirt to allow for name and number, where I think in some ways that actually ruins it. Um, and again, when we were talking off air, I think you know historically they just used to stitch a white patch onto the shirt, which, you know, yeah, it may sound a bit sort of like you know historical, but I think personally, from my own personal opinion, that's one that works that way. Um, a strange one because really, when you think of it, it's just you know the shirt is like one colour. What you know, but I'd always say Italy. For me, Italy have always been a team that you know they've had that very striking, you know blue shirt, white shorts, and then, you know, obviously working it down. It's, for me, that yeah, you you only really truly associate that colour with Italy. It's just, you know, and normally the shirt hasn't had very much else, you know, attaching towards it. You know, we've, mm, got, France, we've got France in there, but, you know, they've worked in the badge. If you think with Italy, it's almost along the lines of that, you know, sometimes they might have worked the Italian flag into the collar, but, you know, the rest of the times, you know, you're there and, you know, you're suddenly thinking back and it's like, well, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a very simple design. And it's maybe more due to the fact that you expect them to be there and this time around they're not. No, true. All right, so no Italy in our top ten. No Holland. You can just feel the suspense building for the listener. Oh, you can. No we're Holland working, in our top ten. No, no Peru either for that matter. And just on your point with Croatia, I've got many a city shirt under the bed where... The patch for the number has been designed into it, and I just love digging those shirts out sometimes and seeing that mum or dad bought that for my birthday, 
didn't know what number I'd want on the back, left it blank, and you just never get round to it. And now you've got these shirts with these ridiculous patches on them. Yeah. Personally, I love that. All right, on with the top three. So this was a, a strong horse in the race for you, mate. Um, it, was. it was definitely in the top ten for me. Um, I didn't think it'd feature so high, but I have to confess it's growing on me. Sweden, 1994. Sweden, yeah. Um, look, it's a design down that Again, it was probably had already slightly worked into club football. I remember... Uh, Liverpool had a shirt where you know you'd have the three stripes sort of working its way in. I think you said it like you know sort of like being manhandled by Dusty Brenda. Right. You know, and having it you know along those lines. But uh, I home and maybe more. I'm more skewing towards the away shirt. It's just it's one of those where you know I like it. Maybe the fact that it hasn't got like a shirt sponsor on it. It's almost along the lines of again we refer to it with um, Republic of Ireland. Just simply says Adidas across the middle. Sweden badge, then it's usually just the number going down there. And it's maybe that little bit more symmetrical than you'd see with a sort of like, you know, a club side shirt. Um, and again, it's probably more due to the fact that, you know, Sweden, you know, you, you touched upon it with Denmark, but Sweden had a bloody good team in that tournament, you know. And again, it's that classic example of probably players that had good tournament, but didn't necessarily then translate in towards their club form. I mean, you could counter-argue with Thomas Brolin because he was really good at Palmer, but once he joined Leeds, he didn't really do anything. I remember Martin Darling scored a lot of goals for Sweden in and around that time. He got a big money move to Blackburn and again didn't do anything. So it's probably like a shirt of that particular era. Mm. You never know, it might be something else that comes back again. But yeah, for me, you know, in terms of a design of a shirt, that you saw elsewhere, did it really work elsewhere? I think Bulgaria wore a variation of it. That doesn't really invoke so many memories for me. It's Sweden all the way, hence why I've seen it through. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think I've probably been a little bit harsh on the Swedes as well when I talk about France being that sort of watershed uh, watershed kit for changing from the sort of old retro design into the new. Sweden's is definitely you know a real specific, but sp- mm-hmm. it's for a football team to play in, yeah. not want to wear down the pub. All right, top two. Um, the hosts have made it in uh, a couple of times. Um, we had USA in 94 and France in 98 in at 8th uh, position and 6th position respectively. Um, second place is the host, but it's the host of this tournament. It's not the host wearing a kit. And that's Russia, who I think yeah. aside from this kit, I can't find any other decent ones. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, obviously, we're look- the one we're looking back is going to um, Spain 82. And... I think for me, where it really stands out as well, um, having that CCCP written across the front mm. and some slight variations where you've got you know, the Adidas tricular, you know, instead of actually being to the left, is to the right. Mm. And you know, it's small things like that. But I think, again, you look at the shirt, Dan, and it's probably the design and you know, it was seen elsewhere where you know, it, was such a, you know, it was such an easy kit. And it's a horrible thing to say because, you know, but there does seem to be now maybe there's a bit more intricacy in towards what they're doing. But this was just simple white collar pinstripes down the front. Pinstripes, very, yeah. Very 1980s. P- pinstripes for me have got no place on a football shirt, but this just somehow works. It's weird that you say that because, look, you know, I think, again, when we were doing the original one, it reminds me a bit of a Forest shirt from the 1980s. And I've got a feeling that, you know, Ipswich, and I know Liverpool certainly, albeit made by um, Umbro. They certainly had pinstripes on the shirt as well. But yeah, it's um, look, it's one that really does particularly stand out. And it's weird to the extent, I think, if we're looking at a lot of the teams that are in there, yeah, you could, you know, the USA, I think the fact that they got through the group stages in 94 was seen as being a good tournament. 
Um, you know, I couldn't really tell you much about how did Russia perform in 1982. Honestly, I can't really answer that question. So it's more like the shirt stands out more than what the actual the team achieved. And I think, you know, again, the fact is that, you know, we talked about Denmark in 86. We got, you know, winners in there. We got semi-finalists in Sweden. I think it's one of the few where we're probably doing it. We remember the shirt more than we remember the team. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right. Uh, imaginary drum roll, please, because now we're going to announce the top place uh, in our top 10 favourite World Cup football shirts, and that goes to Argentina in 86. It is one of the classic strips, but this one just stands the test of time. It does. I, I mean, I, I think we were very much in agreement in terms of you know where this was going to finish, and it's, again, for me, it invokes you know memories. I've talked about 82 being the first I can remember. The one that I got really engrossed into was 86 and probably seeing, you know, Maradona, you know, yes, there was the hand of God, but at the same time, you know, just probably, you know, one of the players, if not the very player who has really sort of like, you know, lit up a World Cup where, you know, without him would they have done it. But to return to the shirt, it's it's the classic design of it. Maybe what I also like about it is the slightly oversized badge that's attaching towards it. and Everything's in large. The strips yeah. are larger yeah. on this shirt than any other shirt that has strips, mm -hmm. right? You think about a Paraguay shirt, yeah. um, which has even been done by Atletico in, in similar style as yeah. well. Um, any domestic kit, I just can't picture one where the stripes are this wide. No, no, no. I would agree with, I would agree with you. In that Maybe way. just Maradona made it all look wide because he was fat. <laughs> Probably. Um, look, it's, again... It, and I think the thing is, you know, we you touched upon it in earlier about, you know, look, how does a kit work? And I think it's almost impossible, unless you do something really, really stupid, to do anything bad to an Argentina kit. You know, that sort of like sky blue and white stripes. It just works really, really well. And, you know, there's going to have to be one kit that really stands out. And to be fair, if it's a time when they actually won the tournament, then, yeah, it's going to be there and do it that way. You know, maybe you can go back further in time, but I think... You know, for the two of us, it's almost like, you know, the 80s are the beginning point of our sort of like, you know, watching of football, especially for me anyway. Sure. Yeah, great shirt, great, and, you know, great individual player that probably carried them to victory in Mexico. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Argentina take out top spot in our top 10 World Cup classic and favourite shirts. We'll be posting pictures of these on Instagram, at the concourse pod, all one word. Let us know your thoughts on these. Let us know your thoughts on the shirts and let us know if you think anything else should have made it into the top 10. Believe me, it was a it was a long a long short list which we had to get down shorter. Definitely be interested to hear your thoughts. We'll be back in a second to talk through the action of the opening games of the World Cup so far. Okay, so welcome back to part two. Uh, the World Cup so far, Paddy, you been enjoying it? Um, I have been. I think uh, it started off at a fairly... Um, really good rate. Uh, there's obviously, you know, the Portugal-Spain game is the one that really, really stands out. Um, I think another good thing, and I've probably bored Dan to death over the last couple of days with it, still yet to see a goalless draw, which mm. I think is always um, a good sign as well. Um, yeah, hopefully that will continue. As I said earlier, I'm a bit of an advocate of VAR, so I've been pleased to see that it's worked and it's been successful. It hasn't been anything contentious in terms of, you know, a decision that's been made in relation towards it. Um, yeah, and you know, it's amazing to think that, you know, well for us here in Aussie, that you know, the overnight games basically represents the end of the first round of matches because obviously uh, Russia, 
I think so. Mo Salah, Salah will back. All right, well, let's turn our attention quickly to that Russia game. Uh, the hosts opened the tournament after some sort of performance from Robbie Williams in the opening ceremony, beating Saudi Arabia 5-0. Saudi Arabia have moved on for their next game, but the wings on their plane caught fire, interesting enough unfortunately uh, them as a team could not um, I thought Saudi Arabia started pretty brightly uh, and if it wasn't for that second goal going in before half time uh, the margin might not have been as big they just didn't have a plan B in the end um, I think potentially we found the whipping boys of Group A um, but is Group A a little bit closer than we first thought um, Suarez was was isolated a little bit and stifled by Egypt he did a good job of sort of keeping him out the game even without Salah on the pitch yeah. or our Egypt uh, a team that maybe deserve a little bit more credit and there's a bit more to them than just Mo Salah there probably is to be fair Dan I was quite, you know I was quite impressed with them because I, you know when Salah's not playing there was an element of you that thinks well, that's it you know what else can they actually offer and that the, in terms of it it was it was probably I know there's been some one nils some have been probably you know very boring um, others have been yeah you know the team should have maybe won by more but that one I think it was a more difficult one to call I'd be really interested to see because look, maybe there's a bit of a bit different I've got a bit of a different opinion I thought Russia basically walked it against Saudi Arabia so yep. it'd be interesting to see you know they've already got the three points Egypt now have to actually get points onto the board so it'd be interesting to see how that one develops you know when it gets played overnight Iran got a late goal against Morocco in Group B. Um, Carlos Quiros, of course, is at the helm there, former Manchester United assistant manager, former Real Madrid manager. He's been talking up before the tournament how he loves his job there. He's thought about retiring or going back to club football on a number of occasions, but he just loves working with that group of players. Looks like his loyalty's paid off there as Iran got a late winner against Morocco. Again, that game was um, a little bit end-to-end -end with some questionable defending from time to time. Morocco played at a good pace in comparison to Iran but just like the finisher uh, elsewhere in Group B Paddy just mentioned there what's arguably been the goal of the tournament so the game of the tournament so far um, and I think you said yesterday the best group game you've potentially yeah, ever seen I, also it's, it's always one that will, you'll, it will stand out because it's so recent but even now we, you know you sort of like you know taking a bit of time back and you think has there been a better group game in the tournament Dan I'm still struggling to think of one and yeah in some ways it's it's good that you know it ended three three with Ronaldo's late free kick, but at the same time you're then thinking, yeah, that game needed a winner, and it's like you know extra time penalties and everything else that could have gone with it. Um, again, I touched upon it yesterday. Ronaldo's got a lot of plaudits and rightly so, but I think we saw a good side to Diego Costa. Okay, you maybe the first goal where you know he does lean in a bit and you know Pepe goes down, but at the same time I thought that was a great finish, and I thought it's just his general all round play was really, really good for Spain. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, and I said I think Brazil will be right up there. I think though Portugal, Spain, they should be the two teams to qualify from, you know, Group B. Yep. And, you know, at the same time, I think they're two that could really progress very far. Yeah, sure. I agree with you on Costa. It was a great individual goal. Um, he was up against it to put the ball in the back of the net there. Nacho Monreal's was a great strike. Um, but you see a few opportunities like that fall at the edge of the box. Some go in, some don't. And when they do, they look really good. But when you see a player like Costa or any centre-forward go up against three or four defenders and make something of it, that's a pretty special mm -hmm. effort. Um, there was, of course, the David De Gea mistake as well. Um, some quarters have been a little bit harsh there, uh, considering what a great season he's had for Manchester United. I'm sure he'll add value for Spain 
through the rest of the tournament. Elsewhere in Group C, Argentina took the lead through a fantastic semi-solo effort from Aguero. It was a great ball in from Mascherano, uh, but the control and turn was was uh, was a really great effort. Um, Messi missed a penalty. Should he be taking him, Paddy? Um, we had this yesterday, and I, to be honest with you, I don't think he should because one of the things that came through from it is I think that's his third penalty miss in six. Whilst, you know, if you've got someone like Aguero, I'd have backed him to score almost straight away. But at the same time, I would give credit to Iceland. I mean, we were in um, sort of like text banter over the weekend. And it was one that I called as a draw at the start. I just, you know, Iceland, I thought, were really good in European championships. You know, dare I say, I think it's the closest that we've got to a club side playing in a tournament. You know, if you think back... You know, this is a team that's, you know, largely retains the same players that they had in 2016. And if I'm going to do a bit of a segue, with England, I was actually surprised when you think, how many of these players would have actually been in the squad two years ago? Mm. And a lot of them wouldn't have been. So I think, you know, there's that, um, you know, what you, what you can gain from just having that continuity from it. They'll make life hard for everybody, Dan. And, you know, I think, you know, as much as Argentina had a lot of the ball... Did they ever really look like, you know, okay, they missed the penalty, but apart from that, how many other opportunities did they really look like you think, yeah, they could have genuinely scored from that? So my dark horse, I think, I'll still say are Iceland. Yeah, okay, that'll be interesting to see. Definitely should be taken a little bit more serious than uh, than they are. Yeah. There are they are a lot more than the uh, the fans thunderclap, but if we can see that a few more times in the tournament, yeah. I'll be a happy lad. Um an all, uh, a fairly subdued game by comparison to some of the others between Denmark and Peru. Denmark grabbed a fairly late goal after Christian Eriksen had uh, quite a quiet game to begin with before unlocking the Peru defence. Um, so Denmark took maximum points there. Um, elsewhere, Serbia threw a fantastic free kick from Alexander Kolarov. Um, took maximum points against Costa Rica. Costa Rica, I thought, looked really strong from set pieces uh, and as well from wide positions. They just couldn't finish in the air. Um, not too sure how they're going to fare for the rest of the tournament, but perhaps looks like an early flight home for them. Um, Mexico versus Germany is no doubt the surprise of the tournament so far. Mexico, I thought, were, were great for the lead. Fantastic uh, counter-attacking team. And when yeah. they did finally establish the lead, uh, they just carried on throwing they bodies did. forward. They were great to watch. Again, when we were talking about this yesterday, I thought the way in which you saw the goal, it reminded me very much of like a Wenger Arsenal goal. Mm. Just that sort of, you know, very quick, intricate play. I think since we spoke, I've seen it since. And I think from one end to the other, it's basically, it's not, it's basically nine touches of the ball. Mm. And, you know, to have actually achieved that and the speed in which they did it as well. Yeah, they look like, I agree with you, Dan, I think they look like a really, really good team. You know, people will obviously take a perverse enjoyment from seeing Germany lose, but I think they still got a lot to offer mm. in this particular tournament. But mm. yeah, Mexico, very, very impressed. So let's see how they can progress through. We did skip over there from, I think it was Group C, um, Croatia's routine win over Nigeria. That was 2-0. Um, but moving back down the list of results, Brazil beat Switzerland, uh, drew with Switzerland 1-1. Coutinho opened the scoring with a great strike. Um, there was a little bit of contention around Zuba's equaliser, accused of a push on Juan Miranda, yeah. um, but I think that was really weak marking in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Switzerland are in really good form. Whilst Brazil have only conceded, conceded the third goal in 11 games, I think Switzerland are now unbeaten in 15. Yeah, and the other thing is with Switzerland, Dan, um, I mean, in the last World Cup, they beat Spain in, the first game as well, in their first game as well. And... Okay, we're talking about World Cups, but even if you go back to Euro 96, they drew 1-1 with England as well. So, 
you know, some really, you, you know, I think they didn't actually look, you know, that bad. Yes, I think when Coutinho's, yeah, great strike, as you rightly mentioned, when that went in, I thought maybe that might have been it, but, and, you know, they would have just, you know, progressed through, but didn't quite happen for them. Fair enough, and of course, England won 2-1 uh, this morning. Elsewhere in the group, Belgium ran out 3-0 winners um, against the four-team in the group, Panama. And our other result overnight was... Uh, that was Sweden won South Korea nil. Sweden won South Korea nil. They are coming in again. Where must... to Tottenham's son is hoping for World Cup glory in order to avoid military service uh, mm. in a couple of years' time. All right, they're the opening games of fixtures so far. Um, let us know your thoughts on the content and what we've talked about in the podcast. You can do that by commenting on iTunes and also reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at The Concourse Pod. Thanks for listening. I've been Daniel Ryan, joined by Patrick O'Brien. Cheers, Paddy. Cheers, Dan. All the best with the rest of the podcasts during this World Cup. And we'll catch you soon. Enjoy the football. Cheers.